This is Behind the Swipe, the podcast that takes you inside the lives of real men and women over 40 who have taken the plunge into the often murky and sometimes exhilarating world of online dating. Each week, we explore new topics through the experiences and expectations of real online daters just like you. I'm your host, Hoyt Prysock. Join me as we peel back the one-dimensional dating profiles to discover the real men and women behind the swipe. Welcome to this week's episode of Behind the Swipe. Today, I want to dig into a topic that has come up in so many conversations with the men and women I've interviewed, but I felt like it deserved an episode of its own. The topic is dating by the numbers. Now, I'm going to take you on two hypothetical journeys. First, a real-world plan to meet potential partners organically-ish. You know, the way God intended. Her plan seemed great. That is, until it met the immovable object that was mathematics and probabilities. Next, we'll use those same immutable laws and apply them to online dating. Finding love online has always been part art and part science. And, as they say in the small print, your mileage may vary. But I firmly believe that an understanding of the numbers can improve your overall satisfaction with the sometimes arduous task of meeting and dating online. If you've listened to this show previously, you know that we'll typically hear from one or two online daters about their experience in whatever topic we're covering in that episode. I'll also usually have a guest co-host with some specifically relevant experience or expertise in the topic at hand. But for the purpose of this topic, I've decided to forego that format today and just walk you through the mathematics of online dating. Now, Before you hit the snooze button, we're not going to be talking about algorithms, we're not going to be talking about Bayesian probabilities, and there won't be a quiz at the end. But I do hope that this exercise will be a source of encouragement for those of you who may have been either disillusioned with your online dating experience or simply have thrown up your hands and said, this is too much work. All right. So let's talk about finding love in the produce aisle. And no, I'm, I'm not talking about that one week in the summer when the Palisades peaches show up from the western slopes of the Rockies, though that love is real. I'm going to create here a hypothetical amalgamation of several women I've interviewed, and I'm going to call her Sharon. Sharon is a single woman of 45. She's been divorced for about two years, has a daughter in high school, and she lives in a near suburb of a metro area with about 3 million people. Now, while Sharon would like to eventually be in a committed long-term relationship, right now she's interested in dating so that she can experience the sense of being attractive again and desirable, and frankly, just to have fun. She's really adopted quite a healthy attitude toward dating, not letting any grand expectations color her experiences. And although she's moderated her expectations, Sharon does have a checklist. He should be within a couple of years of her age either way. 
He should be 5'10 or taller. She's 5'9. He should be gainfully employed as a stable professional, but not an engineer. She was married to one of those for 20 years, and we all know how that turned out. Oh, and then there's religion, politics, pet preferences, etc. Basically, Sharon has created a silhouette cutout of the perfect man for her, and she'll view each potential romantic partner through the lens of this silhouette. What could go wrong? So we know a little bit about Sharon and what kind of man she wants to meet. What next? Where is this meet-cute destined to happen? Certainly not online, so she thinks. For Sharon, the whole idea of advertising her loneliness to every random Tom, Dick, and Harry in town feels, well, icky. Yes, she does know couples that met online and had nothing but great things to say about the experience, but Surely that must be the exception rather than the rule. Besides, she can always do that in the future, if she gets that desperate. So, real world it is. Sharon thinks to herself, you know, I'm not a hermit. I work. I go to Orange Theory. I volunteer at the dog shelter. I'm out in the real world every day. That's where I'll find these men. She remembers back a few summers ago, pre-divorce, when there was a handsome guy, maybe a little younger than her, who was clearly flirting with her at the local Whole Foods. She remembers the incident in detail, exactly where she was, what he said, the dinner she was planning to make with those bell peppers she held in her hand. And she remembers the kindness of his smile. Ah, new plan. Whole Foods is clearly the best place to meet single men. So, let's unpack this for Sharon. First, let's try to understand the numbers. How many of these eligible bachelors are actually showing up shopping dinners for one at Whole Foods? Now, for purposes of this exercise, I'm going to use numbers from several sources, but primarily from the U.S. Census and data and analyses of singles in America by the Pew Charitable Trust. And I'll do my best to cite these sources in today's show notes. But for now, follow me down this rabbit hole. On a typical day, one in 10 Americans will shop at a grocery store. And of those, according to research analytics firm Numerator, one in 10 are Whole Foods customers. So, being generous, let's say that 1,000 people shop at Sharon's Whole Foods each day. Of those, statistically, half are men, and about 27% of those are single. So now we are down to a total number of eligible men between 40 and 64 of 135. Well, that sounds promising, right? 135 single guys shopping at Whole Foods every day. It's a bonanza, but not so fast. Only 36 of those are straight and within Sharon's desired age range of 42 to 48. But it gets worse. According to the research released by the Pew Charitable Trust just before the pandemic, only 55% of these men are at all interested in dating. Running these numbers down, 
one eligible bachelor in Sharon's age range walks into the Whole Foods on average once every 46 minutes. Like they used to say in the Ginsu Knife infomercials, but wait, there's more. Let's take that Ginsu Knife and make yet another cut. Sharon may not be super picky about attractiveness. Let's say she's attracted to as many as 20% of the eligible men she sees. But those men also have attractiveness filters. Likely not as finely tuned as Sharon's because, well, they're men. So let's say the guy finds 30% of women attractive enough to flirt with. Ready for this? With that mutual attraction filter on, now an eligible romantic partner walks in the door at Whole Foods every, uh-huh, 12 and a half hours. So for Sharon, that means that in a typical half-hour trip to Whole Foods, her chances of even encountering a potential romantic partner are about 4%. If Sharon's superpowers include the ability to notice every other shopper in the store while she's there, and she can identify him, and she's bold enough to initiate conversation with Mr. Meat Cute, then there's a 4% chance that her plan will succeed. For this to work, Sharon would have to spend so much time stalking Whole Foods that she's far more likely to be escorted off the property by security than to meet Mr. Wright. Then, of course, we haven't even considered Sharon's ideal man silhouette. Factor in all these conditionals, and the odds of success are infinitesimally small. So, here's the takeaway. If Sharon's grand Whole Foods plan actually worked, you should take her along to buy lottery tickets. And it's not just Whole Foods, of course. Assuming you're not hanging around in bars like you might have been in your 20s, the same math works or doesn't work in most everyday life encounters. But the mathematics of love doesn't have to be so depressing. We're going to take a short break. But when we come back, we'll transport Sharon to an alternate universe of online dating and discover how to make the numbers actually work in her favor. Behind the Swipe is made possible by real online daters just like you, willing to share their personal and authentic stories and perspectives as they seek love, romance, and intimacy online. Head on over to BehindTheSwipe.com Click the Be a Guest link at the top of the page. There, you'll learn about some of our upcoming episode topics and how you can help. In the first half of this episode, we met Sharon, a 45-year-old recently divorced woman whose plan was to meet potential romantic partners in the real world, not online. Yuck. Well, that plan has not worked out so well. So, not only did she spend three fruitless months on the prowl at Whole Foods, but her frequent visits, coupled with her inability to resist the temptations of the ice cream freezer, have caused her to put on an additional five unwanted pounds. Since Sharon is a fictitious character created for our casual amusement, let's reframe her mindset. Instead of viewing online dating as this seedy underworld filled with serial killers and whores, 
let's give Sharon the mindset of a curious beginner. Still a bit wary, but game to give it a whirl. Before jumping online, Sharon was committed to getting a leg up by researching the topic. Among the great resources she found were Dr. Hannah Fry's TED Talk on the Mathematics of Love and Logan Urey's clever and insightful book, How Not to Die Alone. With a little nudge and profile-building assistance from a friend, Sharon was ready to take the plunge. Like Sharon version one, this Sharon also has an idealized list of physical, emotional, and financial characteristics that defined the potential partner she hopes to meet. Based on her profile and the dating pool that she finds herself in, what should Sharon expect? Well, let's look at the numbers. Sharon set her geographical search parameters to include pretty much her entire metropolitan area, some 3 million people. Just as we did with Whole Foods, Let's see if we can estimate how many eligible potential matches there might be online for Sharon. Using the same data sets as we used before, there are likely some 59,000 available single men in Sharon's metro that are between 42 and 48. All right, so it's time to bring out the Ginsu knives again. Sharon is not going to be building profiles on all 157 dating apps that are out there. She's likely to pick just one to start with. So for our purposes, let's go with Bumble. Now, Bumble claims about 12.3 million active users in the U.S. Let's maybe call a little bullshit on that, since many of those users download the app, maybe build a profile, but really don't do much more than that. For Bumble's business purposes, that counts as an active user, but for Sharon, it doesn't mean squat. So I'm going to arbitrarily cut that number in half, and then I'm going to filter out all the under 40s and all the over 65s. I'm going to say that given the size of Sharon's metro area, that about 0.9% of those active users are within close proximity to Sharon. Now. When you look at her specific age range preferences only, we're down to 4,200 active Bumble age-appropriate eligibles. That's a lot. It's overwhelming, in fact. But remember, we have one more major Ginsu cut to make. This whole thing works on the basis of some level of mutual attraction. Using the same factors we applied to the Whole Foods example, her finding 20% attractive enough to initiate and him 30%, we're still left with 251 viable potential matches. That leaves plenty of room for Sharon to get a little more selective in her engagement, height, religion, politics, etc. But the research says maybe she should not just yet, anyway. Both Logan Yuri and Hannah Fry have studied and analyzed inside data coming from online dating platforms Hinge and OkCupid. The message that comes through loud and clear is this. As critical as the numbers are when it comes to improving your odds of meeting a potential partner, and they are critical, 
it's important to leave plenty of room for chance and serendipity. As Fry puts it, people don't really know what they want until they find it. To me, that means not being afraid to try the tasting menu. Great relationships on paper are only great relationships if what you really care about is paper. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Behind the Swipe. Join us again next week. You've completed the course in mathematics. Next week, it's time for chemistry. If you're enjoying Behind the Swipe, you can subscribe to our weekly episode feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Instagram at Behind the Swipe Podcast. Got an over 40 dating story? We'd love to hear it. Just go to BehindTheSwipe.com and click on the Be a Guest tab. We just might feature you on one of our upcoming episodes. I'm your host, Hoyt Prysock. Until next week, swipe fearlessly.